0: Today we're going to be talking about the movie Prometheus, which is by Ridley Scott and stars Numi Rapace. Um, i probably mispronounced that. It's a Swedish name and Michael Fassbender. This is a free episode. Uh, I promise there's not going to be a lot more free episodes, but it's the holidays after all. My heart has browned three times. It's a normal size. And the Christmas spirit has flowing through me so much that I, I thought that, you know, hey, time to lighten up it and make one of these free. If you want access to all the previous podcast episodes or listen below, please become a since subscriber. Um, you can just click on the subscribe button right below this like view window and sign up. It's only $5 a month. And there's, I think more than 10 hours of podcast content at this point. So Prometheus is one of those movies that uh, tries to ask a lot of important questions. It's basically about a group of space explorers who are looking for a race of aliens that they think may be the progenitors of humankind so they're following like ancient pictograms and they all point to one star system and they get this like trillion dollar spaceship and all these experts together and they're going to go out and you know meet their makers they use that expression several different times these are like big questions you know is there a god what's our place in the universe why are we here but really the question that Prometheus poses to the viewers is like can a few cool ideas and like 10 minutes of good scenes make a movie worth watching and the answer is sadly no so I think the reason uh, the only reason why people still talk about this movie is the engineers that's the ancient race that uh, supposedly created humanity I'm sure you've seen the pictures online. It's like this giant kind of white, very muscular, like seven feet tall thing that's in the kind of uncanny valley for humanity, right? It looks human, but not too human. And it's something that like you, you can you can definitely see how we're distantly related, but not quite big brother, big sister, that sort of thing. Like with monkeys, right? Like you know, hey, there's there's some similarities, but there's also so many differences that you know you don't want to get too familiar with them. It, it feels very alien. And the engineers just fucking rock. Like they're they're uh, it's very strangely compelling. Right? There's that like secret sauce where like something becomes your immovable. And something about this big dumb giant creamy white die. You know, it had it has the magic, and you can post that guy nine times in different ways, and it'll be funny each time, or, or maybe it's repetitive, but, like, people like the Prometheus engineers, and for good reason. The natural design behind them is really cool. They apparently base it off of Michelangelo's David, the Statue of Liberty, and Elvis Presley. Kind of like a chubby baby face, so it looks really funny when, like, the actor is, is underneath all this makeup. Like, they use, like, real bodybuilders to, to play the engineers, and and uh, it's funny when he, like, smiles or, like, does Roman people stuff, right? In the same way, it'd be funny if, like, a monkey wore a suit. But, like, he's, like, an advanced monkey, right? And it, it, that's the other thing that's kind of funny about this movie is that, like, to create the mythos, they clearly drew a lot from, like, Indo-Aryan myth and, like, a bunch of, like, esoteric, like, vaguely white supremacist stuff. And I, I don't really know how this movie got made, but it's very funny to kind of dig into the velocity of it because it, it like, I don't think many people are aware but like, when they talk about... About like ancient aliens and like all this unified civilization uh, that that spanned the globe and that there are always cultural commonalities. They're they're talking about like ancient white people who like were like seafaring or I guess they're not white people like I, you know, white people were probably pretty closely related to the modern white people. But yeah, they're talking about like Atlantis and stuff like that and like the red haired seafarers that uh, all those uh, Mesoamerican myths refer to, where it's like these magical gods with red hair and tail skin. They look kind of similar to us, but like not, you know, not quite similar. They showed up on these like magic. Uh, magic craft that were definitely just like ships, and they taught us about property and government and banned tenableism. So like, that's like Prometheus come to life. Like it's like, well, the red-haired seafarers who were running Atlantis were actually aliens and people could go on a spaceship to visit them. So like that, that aspect's very funny. There's a good documentary where like if you have an enormous amount of free time, I recommend you see rather than actually watching Prometheus. Prometheus, like I'm, I'm sorry to say it's a bad movie. But um, the making of documentary for Prometheus is called Furious Gods. I think it's available on YouTube for free. And it's three and a half hours long. And there was just so much thought and effort put into designing all these parts of the world that it's a shame that they couldn't write a good movie around this interesting world that they created. And so Ridley Scott did the movie Alien, which I think was done in 1978. It's like a sci-fi horror classic, and it's extremely well made. It probably gets a little too much attention now, like everything, just because people like to use it to make like Marxist criticism about, you know, haves and have-nots. There's an evil corporation that figures heavily into the plot of of Alien and that's a common device throughout other movies in the universe like Alien vs. Predator or like the Whale Engine Corporation. And, you know, that can be interesting, but it's not interesting enough to like drive the conversation in the way that it does. And I think what Alien has gone for is it's a really classic horror story and it's like a it's a very not of a horror story. So if you notice in the first Alien movie a bunch of the ships are actually named after places and even type the titles of Joseph Conrad books. And so it's kind of connected to this broader universe of like the Western mythos, even though it's this very novel sci-fi setting. You feel like it's it's part of something larger and the action feels eternal in a way that a lot of movies these days don't feel eternal. They don't feel placed into to a larger context. So Aliens Braid really just got made alien and the franchise kind of got away from him. Right, Ruby Scott is, I think like in his eighties now. He's an old guy. Um, but he was a young he was a young filmmaker and, and Alien was one of his first hits. And over time the franchise kind of got a bad reputation. You know, subsequent directors started taking it taking it over. They made it action themed and kind of dumb. And there are a lot of bad alien movies, sadly. But Ruby Scott, he's he's an old guy. He wants to revisit something early from his career and make it super capital S serious explore all these grand themes about life and death and the universe and religious faith that sort of thing and it's this kind of self-seriousness that uh, makes the movie uh, just fundamentally not work at a basic level and i think really scott has talked about this and this actually shows up in the movie but he was clearly inspired a lot by these brand historical epics one of the main characters, David, who is a um, a self-aware robot, like a helper, is obsessed with the movie *Warrants of Arabia. And it's clear, like from the music and some of the sweeping shots, that they were kind of going for that Koran scale. But it doesn't work because fundamentally in the uh, Alien series, and the Alien franchise, I know this isn't like Alien 5 or anything like that. It's called Prometheus very deliberately. It relies so heavily on body horror, and you can't really escape body horror when you deal with this movie, right? There's there's all sorts of – there's like a vagina snake. And, there you know, things are in people's uterus. And there's a lot of horrifying stuff. And all these sweeping grand vistas in the soaring, like, orchestral track – doesn't match up at all with that. And so the the whole movie is just completely indoherent. And, uh, you know, the tragic thing about this is that it's basically like three or four good ideas where you could make a movie about one of those ideas. But when you try to put them all together... It just doesn't work, and all the different elements are clashing with each other, and in the end, just nothing is good. And the kind of thing that interconnects this disaster, and this is sad to say, is um, Danon Lindoff who is a kind of mega producer, but he did the TV show Lost, and I love the TV show Lost, it's my favorite TV show of all time, and... I think the studio kind of knew that really Scott, you know, is this old guy, he he wants to make this like grand historical movie to like you know, be the capstone of his career, right? I think you see that with his um his later movies like Napoleon which just suck and are no fun at all. And the studios are like, "Ah, oh, he's going to fuck this up." And so they brought this, you know, they brought in Lindoff. He's this sharp young guy. And he's going to popularize it. He's going to connect all these ideas and make them accessible to the public. And it'll be great. You know, Lost is a sci-fi show. And, you know, who better? Who betters and make these these kind of five concepts, sci-fi themes accessible to the general public in a way that's going to make it better mega blockbuster than uh, Damien Wendell. And uh, he absolutely savages this movie. And the script is the most glaring problem about it. And, yeah, that's the most... The the script is is by far the worst aspect of this movie. And, like, but I know there are a few fan edits of Prometheus that improve it, right? Like, there's some kind of inexplicable editing decisions and directorial decisions like there are a bunch of like deleted scenes that are actually very good and actually you know pretty critical to understanding the movie and there are alternate takes that are definitely better than what showed up in the movie but really like you can make all the fan edits you want you can't salvage this turd like this turd cannot be polished and that's because all the characters' motivations are inexplicable or if they're not inexplicable, they're so you know explicated. like they're so people say to like shout them at the camera that it just feels very obnoxious. And there are all these little instances of drama being created and characters being sketched in these very artificial and kind of forced ways. So a conflict will be created. Nah. Out of this like kind of extraordinary situation that they're in right human beings at the time had never found intelligent life before and all of a sudden they're on another planet and not only are they going to meet intelligent life but they're going to meet wife that is more intelligent than them and then actually created humanity and it's going to like change the way people look at religion right so that's you know vidrama doesn't really come out of that it comes out of like these guys wake up from hypersleep, sleep and one guy like goes up to introduce himself to another guy And the guy introduces himself to is just a huge asshole for no reason and like that's the conflict or they're wandering through the spaceship and they're lost for some reason like it doesn't even make sense why they're lost like they have them have the spaceship they know where to go but they encounter the vagina snake and the vagina snake is like it's a great design for a horror movie monster but if I was confronted with a vagina snake I would like you know shoot at it or in front of run away or like you know not want to like engage with the vagina snakes in a friendly manner and the guy like comes up to the vagina snake and starts talking to it like it was like a dog, like a friendly dog, and he's going to like the friend, the vagina snake on this alien planet. And unsurprisingly, the vagina snake kills him in a horrible way. But when that, like, four element happens, right? You know, it's, I'm not I'm going to go into detail, but it's like he kills him in a pretty messed up way. And uh, when that happens, you're like, wow, what a fucking idiot, rather than wow, what a horrifying thing. And there are just a lot of moments like that where it's like, you. You don't understand why it's so difficult for the characters to just be normal or to share important information with each other or to just like get along, right? It's like, it's good for TV. Right, and that's you know I love Lost, and this probably actually would work for Lost because Lost, and this is I think the secret sauce. It's kind of like a soap up, right? Like every everything's a little melodramatic, and so everything's always kind of good fun, even when if it's like when it's like serious stuff. And that's a total tongue clash with what this guy was going for, where he's like, "Wow, I'm gonna unlock the the secrets of the universe, and we're gonna discuss these huge, weighty topics." And it's definitely not gonna be like that first movie I made, Alien which was just a sci-fi horror movie. And it would have been much better if he had just kind of picked the lane and stuck to it. And instead, you're lucked with like this interesting, all these interesting concepts where the execution, it it like totally collapses. So like David is the, the like helper robot and, you know, AI is a big news topic now. And it, uh, David has artificial intelligence and obviously has like kind of a personality, right? You see him when he's alone and he's like doing weird stuff because he likes it, right? He likes the movie Warrants of a Radio because he identifies with the main character. He's like doing his like crazy basketball shots because he's bored. So, like, this is not just, like, the machine. And even though his emotions are, like, crude, he obviously has feelings. And, like, that's, you know, that's obvious to the viewer. And I think it being pretty obvious to, to other observers. But everyone is just so mean to him for, like, pretty much no reason. Like, Numi his character, Dr. Elizabeth Shaw, Um, her boyfriend is the other head of the mission. He's, like, a Reddit atheist and hates religion and, like, wants to, you know, did the engineers to improve that all these superstitions are wrong. And he's just like a massive prick to David for like literally no reason. Like he hates robots. And yeah, I hate robots, right? I don't want like society to be run by AI. But if I was interacting with a, a humanoid robot, I don't think I would go out of my way to be like mean to it because I, it's a robot. It doesn't have like feel, like It doesn't have feelings. There's like no point. And it's me. worse are the fact that like, the guy is acting like David doesn't have feelings, but David obviously does have feelings. And he's, like, asking David about the nature of his existence. Or he's, like, the, the guy is, like, the moaning, like, getting to the planet. And it seems like all the, the engineer aliens are dead on arrival. They've been dead a while ago. So they finally found their makers, but they can't talk to them. And the guy's, like, you know, and I'm trying to get to the bottom of, like, why they need us. And David, you know, is kind of in an interesting parallel because he was made by human beings. And he's, like, well, why didn't you guys make me? And the God replies, we made you because we could, with just total content. And then David, you know, very recently says, like, can you imagine how dissatisfying it would be to hear that from them? So obviously, David is operating on a level where, like, he's moderately self-aware, right? He's not just like a, a chat bot. By doing whatever you request, right? Like he has feelings, and the guy just, you know, continues to be like this huge dismissive asshole to him. And then when David does, like, he like uses him as a, a like science experiment, like he infects him with an alien virus, and he dies. The guy dies horribly. Again, you don't really feel that death because you think he's just an asshole. Like good riddance. And David is an interesting character. Um, in his own right right he's like this kind of arrogant and insecure AI robot where he like he, he actually hates the engineers and he hates he really hates humanity and he's just kind of this like nihilist and he's an interesting character but he's totally wasted in this video right like the movie should have been about him or it should have been about something else but again the, the lack of focus just pauses the entire movie to um to completely collapsed narratively and it has no idea where to point the camera and and all it do to generate drama is this very contrived personal drama and so like Idris Elba is in the movie and he has one of the worst American accents I've ever heard and Charles theram is in the movie and she's just this kind of like bitchy suit and the two characters like hate each other that all all of a sudden they're going to go have sex like it's used for tv in a bad way and it clashes with uh scott's like kind of obsession with the this like epic um thematic arc of like humanity and religion and you know where are we in in the universe and that sort of thing the whole thing is just trash i i didn't expect to like to dislike it this much, right? It's been a while since I actually watched the movie. Uh, but, you know, this movie's fucking horrible. I, I don't know how it got made. It, it cost like 130 or $40 million. and actually did well at the Bob's office because everyone thought it was just going to be, like, more alien because people liked People like the Alien series, but it definitely wasn't that. And the sequel to this Alien Covenant, I think, was a huge box office bomb. Even though, and this might be controversial, I think Alien Covenant was actually pretty good and like succeeded where this movie failed. And yet, the movie has so many compelling elements. So, like the engineers, right? The engineers are really interesting. It's it's very, um, I mean, it's very funny that it's drawing from like Indo-Aryan myth and all this kind of es you know esoterica about Atlantis. I mean, basically just stapling on an alien uh, narrative to that as well. Like uh, that's still controversial today. I know that the Chinese government like refuses to allow DNA tests of the first emperors because it they were not ethnically Chinese, right? And they had red hair, so it's like these redheads, red hair of seafarers, show up everywhere, especially around classical civilization. My my theory is Atlantis was around the the Azores in the mid Atlantic, and there was some kind of cataclysm, like maybe it was like a, a comet strike or, or something like that, and it got flooded, and you know, there, there's no way to recover that anymore. But then colonies everywhere, and kind of the colonies became what we now know as the classical civilization. But yes, it's like that's that's interesting. And it's very interesting that they would make them this like very um, very compelling, you know, seven, eight front tall, uh, like Elvis Presley and Statue of Liberty combination. And they do full stuff with it, but they really like cut it out. So um, that's the thing with uh, fan edits, right? I, I know I told you not to watch fan edits because the movie is just so bad anyway, but like there are cool deleted scenes and the deleted scenes are probably cooler than anything that happens in the movie. So um, probably the number one deleted scene you should definitely watch and actually don't even watch the movie, just watch the deleted scene. The Explorers, they get to the planet, and it seems like all the aliens are dead. And uh, they discover one last alien, and he's like in hypersleep or whatever. He's been undisturbed for 2,000 years straight. And so, unbeknownst to most of the crew, the guy who financed the, uh, the expedition, the like, mega trillionaire, who's a very old man at that, point, uh, at that point, comes out to the alien ship with the rest of them. And they revive the alien, and uh, they have David talk to the alien. And in the, the theatrical movie, which is the the one you'll see on, like, you know, streaming services, Wayland, that's the billionaire's name, asks David to um, ask the alien how he can live forever, right? Wayland, he's he's this really old guy he's only got a few days of life left in him, and he knows the aliens are so smart, and he's like, well, ca-, you know, how can I become immortal? And after that, in the theatrical movie, the, uh, the alien just rips David's head off and just kills all the crew around, like, around where they are, which is very funny. It's like beating them to death, and it's like that's probably what ancient Egypt was like. There, there's like a, a magic ratio that you're supposed to use when depicting pharaohs and gods and stuff like that. And they're they're all bigger than each other. And you know, I think at least early on in the early dynasties, like the pharaohs were like depicted as bigger because they were literally literally bigger, like they were like eight feet tall and uh you yeah, know the atlantean remnant but yeah it's like that's probably what ancient egypt was alive. like like you said the wrong thing to the pharaoh, and he's just you know he's this giant 400 pad eight foot tall body builder, and he's just gonna rip your fucking head off so that's that's really funny on that but the, the full movement adds an enormous have a context to the movie where the, like, you know, initially at least I thought that David had told the alien the wrong message, right, as a way to mess with the humans because David obviously doesn't like the humans very much. And so I thought he, he had told the alien, like, you know, the alien wakes up, he's like, well, what do you, you know, what do you want from me? And David tells him, like, hey, these guys think you're like this huge faggot, like they all hate you. I mean, they're going to kill you. And that's why the alien, like, goes on a rampage and kills them all. But it turns out in the full version of the scene, you're the the engineer actually responds to what David says. And so David says, like, you know, this this man wants to be immoral, he wants you to show him how to live forever. And the engineer replies, uh, you know, they're they're called the engineers in the movie, he replies like Who is he that I should give him this gift? So it's obvious that he understood what the request was. And that adds a lot of meaning to the scene. And then uh, the financier old guy says like, well, you should give me life because I am just like you. I created David just like you created us. And so we're the same. We are creators. And the engineer kind of ponders that for a little bit. And then he starts his rampage. And so it's obvious that he offended him. And and this is one of the reasons why uh, Furious Gods, the behind-the-scenes documentary, is so good because it kind of sketches out their civilization. And you realize that the engineer civilization, and this is just great world building. they're these super-advanced, super strong right it seems like they have this like technology that there's basically magic right the control device on their ship is a flute so a, there's this hyper advanced civilization they're obviously very smart but their entire civilization is based on self-sacrifice and ultimately death and so uh, even though these guys live a very long time they're not trying to live forever, right? In the in the opening scene of the movie, one of the engineers drinks some kind of biological weapon or something like that, and that breaks down his cells, and he falls into a lake, and that's supposed to be the origin of, of life on Earth. And so these guys, like, they're willing to die to perpetuate themselves, I think, in the deep lore. They're like a hyper-advanced civilization, and they lost the ability to reproduce normally. And it's not a huge issue for them because— like they live for thousands of years, but they still want to effectuate themselves and they didn't have a way to do that. And then they found the black goo and the black goo allowed them to create like primordial ooze that could eventually become more complex life. And so the way they, they reproduce is breaking themselves down and creating Via a subspecies, basically like humans, and when the subspecies develop enough, they'll eventually just become the engineers, right? And you know, the engineers look kind of similar to humans anyway. And the, the kind of joke is that human beings like fucked that up and like. Fields he developed as the engineers wanted them to do so, and that's why the engineers hate humanity. And it turns out that they were actually traveling to Earth when they were waylaid, and you know the ship like crashed or or just couldn't take off. But their destination was Earth, and they were gonna dump black goo on it and just fucking annihilate the place. So what Wayland said to the engineer was probably the worst possible thing he could have said. Right, the engineers are disappointed because humanity can't look beyond itself and uh people are jealously playing to life they're not willing to kind of dip with the program and and think in terms of a species or even in terms of universe so they hate humanity for that reason they're going to kill humanity but they can't you know they get delayed and the guy wakes up all his friends are dead and he's surrounded by humans. And was the first question the humans ask? It's this kind of greedy, how can I live forever? How can I How can I achieve this concept that your species finds like totally sacrilegious and kind of is antithetical to your entire existence? And this is made even worse by the fact that Wei-Ling, uh dared to compare his accomplishments to the accomplishments of the engineers. So, right, the engineers, it takes them— you know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of years to like properly develop a species, right? To create something that's even comparable to themselves. Right, Like could been guiding humanity's development. So, you know, they look you know, there's overlap, but this, the humans can't even get that quite right. So it takes them, you know, hundreds of thousands of years to do this. It's very complex work, and it's it's very important to them, right? Their species will die out if they don't do it. Then Wayland shows up, and he's got David, he's got the he's got this like robot with a list. And the robot is like a psychopath and it's like a keep a crude facsimile of humanity. And Wayland is like, Oh, this is just as good as what you did. You should make me a god like you, because that's what I really am. And it's just like you know like, it's like a video game where you're, like, doing the speech check. And, like, Waylon definitely failed the speech check. And after that, the, the engineer decided, like, you know, I've had enough with humans. I'm going to kill these guys, and then I'm going to go, do all of Earth, too. So, anyway, it, like, it's a deleted scene. It's interesting. It adds a lot to the backstory. It adds a lot to the characters. And for some reason, they cut that, and they replaced it with something that like makes no sense. The movie is, I think, two hours and 20 minutes long. And honestly, I think they would have been better off focusing on just one idea and making it a 90-minute movie, like the world needs more 90-minute movies. And yet, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that you can talk a lot. You can talk so much about the engineers, right? Realistically, the engineer in um, Prometheus is in the movie for maybe one minute and 30 seconds. So, like, that's a good idea, right? That's an idea that has legs, there's a lot of depth to it, and it's something that you can take in a lot of different directions. And the problem with this movie is that for the other, like, you know, 119 minutes, you're with these extremely unlifeable characters who are, like, in a rejected TV pilot, and there's so much artificial drama, and... The movie just can't take the time to enjoy its own setting. And it's, it's a real tragedy because, like, most movies don't have a single interesting idea in them, right? There's nothing to go for, and there's nothing to chew on. And this movie has several interesting ideas, but it's just an awful movie. So, yeah, that's uh, all I had to say about From EVS. You know, if you're wondering where the, the engineer beans came from like that, this is the this is the movie. And the news is the movie was made, And that, like, one and a half minutes that uh, The Engineer was in the movie were made. And so you can get a lot of mileage out of that one and a half minutes. You can throw it in the edits. You can take, like, still captures of, like, a funny face. And, uh, yeah, ideas like that stick around. It's an idea whose time has come. Other movies in the Ewing franchise, like I said before, Ewing Covenant is a sequel to this. It's a lot—a direct sequel to Prometheus. It's a lot tighter— it's kind of a more traditional monster, maybe. Dayton shows up again. Yeah, it's it's good. It, it's kind of a an evolution of the V of the Zine. I think people got ended up liking it because Prometheus was so bad. But when you hit it, it holds up. I mean, I think it's pretty good in its own right. The, the original Alien trilogy, like Alien 1978, Aliens, the Ashley sequel, and Alien 3, the original Assembly Cut, which was done by David Fincher. He just refuses to talk about the project. Here's the studio. He interfered so much. was just a bad time for him. But like, his version is very good. Alien Resurrection sucks. The Alien vs. Predator movies are kind of a write-off. Like, I think the second one takes place in small town Colorado, and that's kind of fun. There are several good video games about, the, you know, it's in the Alien's universe. The last one I played was Aliens Fireteam Elite, which is very fun. Yeah, that's the Alien's franchise for you. I hope you enjoyed this review. Oh, yeah. If you're interested in Atlantis, I strongly recommend the book Atlantis, The Antediluvian World, which is by Ignatius L. Donnelly. And that was written in 1882. I think Donnelly was like a a populist, like preacher or maybe a politician in Minnesota. You kind of need to get into quack territory to really discuss this. I've heard that there's actually a scientific effort to um, suppress a discussion of Atlantis probably for like, some weird Illuminati reason or maybe it's like the race aspect of it because, you know, it, people generally think of what the Atlanteans were like pretty close to modern Europeans. Uh, Donnelly, is, it's mostly based on um, Plato talking about Atlantis, like a few of the ancient Greeks talk about Atlantis. And it's it's one of those things, like I think uh, Herodotus, the the one of the earliest historians, also mentions Atlantis. And Herodotus was one of those people where a lot of his plans were dismissed as, like, historically inaccurate. And only in, like, the last five or ten years are, are people finally figuring out that, like, actually now he, would, he really was describing a lot of things that he just saw. And the, the claims in his book were actually true and are backed by scientific evidence. So, you know, with myth. You have to do a lot of reading between the lines. Like, I don't don't pretend that I have, like, the definitive answer on this stuff. But, like, I really do think the the evidence for Atlantis in that kind of, like, proto-classical civilization that that was – they're predated, the mainstream understanding of when human civilization began. I, I think the evidence for the this is actually pretty strong. That's a, that's an interesting rabbit hole to go down. Um, perhaps I'll do another episode on that, but that's all I got for this week. So, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Most of the podcast episodes are going to be paywalled. And yeah, it's, it's $5 to get behind the paywall. A lot of content uh, behind the paywall, and uh, this stuff's been pretty uh, well-received so far, and it's been a lot of fun to make it, so... Thanks for joining me this week, and I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Bye.